invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Our text this morning comes from chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. As Methodists, when we join a local congregation, we promise to support that congregation with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. We talked about supporting each other in this congregation through our prayers last week. This morning, we're going to be talking about that vow that we take to support this congregation and each other through the gift of our presence. And I want you to pay particularly close attention to how the author of Hebrews works his way to speaking about the importance of us gathering together. So our chapter and verse for this morning is chapter 10, beginning with verse 19. Up to this point in the book of Hebrews, the author has spent about three and a half chapters talking what we in the Christian community call Christology, who Jesus Christ is, and what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us. Some people think that the only place we read about Jesus in the Bible is the Gospels, but we read about Jesus throughout the New Testament, and those of us in the Christian faith even say we read about Jesus throughout what we call the Old Testament. So I call your attention to Hebrews chapter I'll begin reading at verse 19. This is what the author says. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us now approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another, provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This past week, beginning on Tuesday evening and going until sundown on Wednesday evening, the Jewish community around the world celebrated Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is their day of atonement. It's when they gather in synagogues around the world and they remember how in Bible times 
the high priest, one day a year, on that day of atonement, Yom Kippur, would go into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or the temple and would scatter some blood from an animal sacrifice. And that was the way that they made atonement for their sins. One person, the high priest, on one day a year, Yom Kippur, going into the Holy of Holies, making that sacrifice. And there was a curtain between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the tabernacle or the rest of the temple that, let, that made sure that everyone else was excluded from going into the Holy of Holies. So one person on one day of the year, but it was repeated year after year after year after year, making atonement for the sin of the people. Atonement is just that which brings us to at one month again with God. That is the background of this text that I read for you a few moments ago in the New Testament book of Hebrews. And that Old Testament concept of blood sacrifice being necessary for the atonement of sin is, is pivotal to understanding the Christian faith. Here in this text, the author is saying that in light of all that Christ has done, again, three and a half chapters up to this point in the book of Hebrews, the author's been talking about Christology, who Jesus is and what Christ has done. And the author here is saying, now in light of all that Christ has done, we have confidence to enter the sanctuary or the Holy of Holies by the blood, not of lambs and goats, but by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way or the new covenant, the new testament and the life-giving way that he, Jesus, opened for us through the curtain. And you notice the author says that is through his flesh. While his flesh was being torn on Mount Calvary, the curtain also was miraculously torn. You remember that from the Gospels. So as his flesh was torn, the curtain was torn. And as a result of that, we could all approach God now. It's not just one person on one day of the year, every year going through the curtain to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of God's people. But Jesus is our great high priest. He presented his own blood on the heavenly altar for us. That blood has made atonement for us. And now life lived in fellowship with God is a possibility. That's why the author says, verse 22, let us approach. Now, let us approach each and every one of us with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, it is the blood of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice once for all time, that makes our at-one-ment with God, that brings us into unity, union with God, that makes fellowship with God a possibility. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, 
that even makes what we're doing right here in this place today a possibility, worship. Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, He has now ripped the curtain in twain, and we can approach God in worship. That's what we do when we come together in this place on the Lord's Day. The blood of Jesus Christ makes worship possible. That's why we sing that old Robert Lowry hymn, Nothing But the Blood. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price that we were unable to pay. And all of those animal sacrifices throughout all those centuries that was being offered there in the tabernacle and in the temple by the high priest pointed toward the coming of Jesus Christ. No more animal sacrifices because the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has been sacrificed. He has been sacrificed, now we can approach with great confidence, full assurance of faith. The book of Hebrews is a remarkable book. I wish more people knew it better. It's not the easiest book in the New Testament to understand, but don't let that deter you. Just read it and glean what you can from it and then read it again. The book of Hebrews is a deep book because it is very profound about who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished for us, and what it means that Jesus is now our mediator with God. But the book of Hebrews is really a letter of exhortation. That's what the author says in the last chapter. It is a sermon of encouragement. It is written to those Hebrew Christians that were in danger of drifting away from their faith in Christ. It is written to us who perhaps are in danger of drifting away from our faith in Jesus Christ, to be an encouragement. I believe that the ministry of encouragement is one of the most significant ministries in the body of Christ. And I'm so grateful for those people that I see who pick up the ministry of encouragement and they do it well. To encourage someone is to give them, to impart into them courage. I hope that we're doing that for one another. To discourage someone means that you are taking their courage from them. The author of Hebrews, and we don't know who it is, it is never told to us in the letter, the author of Hebrews is bringing a sermon of encouragement to those Hebrew Christians that first received this letter because, if you read the whole letter, you see this, they were being persecuted. And this word of encouragement actually says to them, the persecution's going to get worse. But stay faithful to Jesus Christ. Look at the words of encouragement beginning at verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. That's one worthy of memorization. He who... He who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is faithful. He is faithful. What he has promised he will do, he will do. What he has promised he will do in us, he will do. He who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another. Now, we sometimes provoke one another in negative ways. The author here is talking about provoking one another to love and 
good deeds. We show kindness, unconditional kindness to every human being. We live lives of love and deeds of mercy. But then look at verse 25. This is where he stops preaching and starts meddling a little bit. Look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together. Some of them evidently were neglecting to meet together, perhaps because of persecution. For their safety, they were not meeting together. But the author of Hebrews says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I can almost feel the tone of the author's voice at that point. It's almost unbelievable that there really are some. There are really some people in the body of Christ. There were some people in the church that first received this letter that neglected to meet together as is the habit of some. I suspect the author of Hebrews probably could give you a list of those who were neglecting to meet together. I have a list of those who neglect to meet together. I won't share it with you, but it is a habit of some to neglect to meet together. But the author of Hebrews says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. There we are back to encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day of our Lord's return approaching. I get asked occasionally, do Christians really need to be part of a local congregation? I say, absolutely. Perhaps, maybe you don't need to be part of a local congregation to be a Christian, but to be an obedient Christian. Hearing the words of Jesus, yes, we're to be part of a local congregation. I know that there are people all over this world today who they say they, they, they're, they're spiritual, but they're not into organized religion. And I know that I've told you before how I feel about that. What I usually hear when somebody says they're spiritual, but not into organized religion, they are into spirituality, just, just not into other people. And I get it. On some days, I get it more so than others. I wish I could be spiritual without other people messing with my life. But there is no such faith in the New Testament. It was John Wesley who said one time famously that the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. You can be a Christian on your own, but you won't be an obedient Christian on your own. When Jesus comes into your life, guess what? He brings the body of Christ with him, obviously. When Jesus comes into your life, he brings all these other people with him into your life, the body of Christ. He brings all these other beautiful, challenging, wonderful, exhausting, gifted, bothersome people with him into our lives. There is no option in the New Testament to take Jesus without taking the body of Christ, take Jesus without taking the friends of Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was God calling out the 12 tribes and making the state of Israel. In the New Testament, it was the 12 apostles. Jesus calling out the church and creating the church. We are structured to need each other. 
We were never called to be independent of each other. One of the earliest things we hear in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 is God says it is not good that man should be alone. We're structured to need each other. We become stunted in our Christian growth if we do not meet together. I'm sure you've heard the old analogy of the campfire. You can take a coal from the campfire and set it aside and it quickly grows cold. But if you put that coal back in the fire, it can reignite. We become stunted in our Christian growth if we neglect meeting together. We are stronger together. We should be a place of positive peer pressure. We should encourage each other. We should build up each other. We should minister to each other. This is the body of Christ, so that also means that as we minister to each other in the Spirit of Christ, He ministers to us through one another. It was Jesus who said that, for where two or three are gathered in my name, gathered in my Spirit, I am there among them. The church is not just an organization that talks some religious things and sings religious music. The church, we're taught in the Bible, is the bride of Christ. That says something about how, how greatly Jesus loves the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the only physical presence that Jesus has in the world now. For better or for worse, we're his only physical presence. He works his miracles, his transformation of life through us, his body here in this world. The church is how God manifests the reality of Christ to the world. I suspect it's true for you. It is definitely true for me. I, I remember every day how how great a gift it is to be part of this congregation. This is an amazing congregation. I cannot imagine the city of High Point without this congregation. It's amazing to be part of a congregation that is busy, seven days a week, every week of the year, changing people's lives with the good news and the love of Jesus Christ. God has each one of us here in this local congregation, in this part of the body, his body, for a particular reason. So may we never, never neglect our meeting together. Being here in this place together is perhaps the most important thing we do perhaps definitely the most important thing we do every week, because the rest of our life is formed as a result of the way the Spirit transforms us when we gather. Would you pray with me? May we never take lightly, God, that you have called us, you have gathered us to be your people in the world. May we, never, may we never neglect gathering together, meeting together, because it's together that you have promised to be present with us 
and to work through us. We give you thanks, God, for your Son, Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for the body of Christ, the church. Amen. Cite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the